You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM KCSU for Collins for Thursday, August 31st. I am Portia Cook, your news director. And I'm Lee Zimpel, your assistant news director. And we are the voices behind the Rocky Mountain Review news broadcast that airs every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. Welcome to the first Rocky Mountain Review news broadcast of the fall 2023 semester. As always, we here at the Rocky Mountain Review strive to give you the most up-to-date, unbiased, and factual news. On today's show, whether you love it or hate it, Fort Collins has landed itself on another prestigious list. Find out which list and what landed them on the list with me in local news. And the Clark A-Wing is in store for some major improvements from asbestos removal to accessibility upgrades. I'll walk you through phase one of the Clark renovation and more in campus news. Then hear from CSU professor Dr. Kit Hughes, who shares some helpful tips for students to adjust to the start of the new semester in an interview with Lee Zempel. And with an extended Labor Day weekend, there are plenty of events for you. Find out what's going on this Labor Day weekend with me in events and entertainment news. Later on in the broadcast, Florida and Georgia are left with rivers for roads, fierce winds, and downed power as Hurricane Adalia tears through the southeastern coast. Learn more about the damages with me and National News. With that, here's Portia with your local news. I'm Portia Cook reporting your local news. Fort Collins is a city known for its vibrant atmosphere and unique charm and has once again made its mark on a prestigious list. Whether you are a fan or not, Fort Collins has secured a spot on the latest list of top 100 U.S. cities to live in for the year of 2023. Now, according to livability.com, Fort Collins took a top spot on the list because of the city's inviting college town ambience, thriving craft beer scene, abundant outdoor activities, and of course, the picturesque downtown area. While Fort Collins claimed the 11th spot on the same list last year, this time around the ranking system has been replaced. Livability.com has introduced a new approach by assigning each city a quality of life score based on factors such as the local economy, cost of living, amenities, education, and walkability. Fort Collins scored an impressive 755 out of 1,000 points on the quality of life scale. This achievement marks a significant feat, solidifying its place as the highest scoring city in all of Colorado. This list also featured other notable Colorado cities, including Colorado Springs, Littleton, Loveland, and Longmont. Over the years, Fort Collins has consistently been in the limelight, making appearances on more than 75 lists. These accolades span a diverse range from Outside Magazine's 25 Best Towns Ever in 2017 to being recognized for having the best tasting drinking water in North America by American Waterworks. Now that is something I can agree with. And there you have it. Fort Collins continues to shine on the national stage. In other news, while I hope you never find yourself here, if you do, you may find yourself sleeping in one of the new 150 dormitory style beds. I am talking about the Larimer County Jail right here in Fort Collins. In a triumphant culmination of nearly five years of relentless effort, the conclusion of the long-awaited Larimer County Jail Improvement Project is complete, signaling a significant milestone in the Larimer County's commitment to modernized correction infrastructures. The Larimer County Jail Improvement Project, which began construction in July of 2020, stayed within its projected $81 million budget and adhered to its timeline of being completed in August of 2023. Sheriff John Fayen, the incumbent Larimer County Sheriff, praised the newfound facility's multifaceted enhancements during last week's ceremony, emphasizing that the upgraded space embodies a commitment to safety, dignity, and respect for both inmates and staff members. 
Sheriff Fayen acknowledged the collaborative efforts of the many individuals involved tracing the project's origins to predecessors who laid the groundwork for its realization, saying, quote, It was from the many people that came before me. I had this whole team behind me to make it work. I get to inherit this amazing building built on the vision of so many people before me, end quote. The renovated complex encompasses not only additional dormitory-style beds, expanding the facility's capacity by 156, but also optimizes transportation logistics, a larger booking area, kitchen, and laundry facilities. One of the pivotal features of the new facility is the expanded and remodeled medical facility designed to cater to the healthcare needs of inmates. Further, a newly established central utility plant has been integrated to supply essential utilities to the jail. I don't know about you, but I don't really want to see the inside of the new facility. I think I am just fine out here on the outside. But hey, that is just me. And speaking of local law enforcement, Fort Collins police are being sued over excessive force in an arrest of a man refusing a citation. The Fort Collins Police Department is facing a federal lawsuit for alleged civil rights violation during the arrest of Andrew Claus. Claus 33 was reportedly body slammed, choked, and pepper sprayed after refusing a citation. The incident occurred in August of 2021 near College Avenue and Mountain Avenue. Kloss claims his constitutional rights were violated and he suffered permanent damage to his vision due to the pepper spray. The department cleared the officers involved of wrongdoing, but Kloss's attorneys are seeking compensation for various damages. The city of Fort Collins also intends to contest the allegations, citing an independent review by a citizen's review board. As an additional layer of examination, Chief Swoboda requested an independent review be conducted, stating, and quote, after the review, the CRB subcommittee unanimously agreed that the officer should be exonerated of allegations of unnecessary force, end quote. Klaus's attorneys are asking for compensation for emotional distress, humiliation, loss of enjoyment of life, and other pain and suffering, economic losses, punitive damages, and attorney fees, among any other relief allowed by law. The law firm representing Kloss, the Life and Liberty Law Office, posted the video of the arrest on its Twitter page. And as a reminder, in honor of Labor Day, all city offices will be closed Monday, September 4th. City Park Pool will be open from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. However, all other recreation facilities, including the Museum of Discovery, will be closed. The gardens on Spring Creek will remain open, however. Transport bus service will remain running, holiday service, but all transit offices will be closed. Larimer County Administrative Services District Attorney and Landfill will also be closed in celebration of the holiday. Essential services such as fire, police, and utilities will continue as usual. And all city offices and facilities will resume regular hours of operation on Tuesday, September 5th. And that is all for your local news.
Would you like to be a part of a rising industry on your college campus? Well, you should check out KCSU and their podcast department. 90.5 KCSU is Colorado State University's student-run radio station where you can be involved with music, news, sports, and even production and podcasting. Come on down into the basement of the Lori Student Center and talk to a staff member today. Just remember to follow the music. I'm Lee Zimpel reporting your campus news. Accessibility improvements, renovated bathrooms, and asbestos removal are just some of the many plans outlined for the A-Wing of the Clark Building. Clark Renovation has officially moved to Phase 1, meaning all occupants of the A-Wing basement have been relocated to make space for demolition and cleanup. For now, the bigger classrooms in A are still in use, as those rooms hold some of the university's largest classes. But once the semester ends, the rest of Clark A will be shut down for construction until May 2025. Then, Phase 2 aims to replace the Clark B Wing Bridge with an entirely new four-story building. That construction is expected to begin late in the fall 2024 semester. Clark C will be the last to revitalize as CSU leaders are trying to make sure that those who are in the Clark Building often are still getting their needs met during the renovation. As we move closer to the closure of multiple sections of Clark, you can get a more in-depth breakdown of the renovation and how it'll impact you on the CSU College of Liberal Arts website. Information for this story comes from CSU Source. Over the summer in late July, Colorado State University saw flooding on campus, but thanks to the variety of improvements that were put in place following the historic flood of 1997, things could have been a lot worse. In 1997, the flood caused a total of $150 million in damage. In July, the flooding was contained mostly to one single area. Following the flood of 97, a series of flood mitigation projects were launched to prevent a repeat of the severe damages. These projects ended up costing over $1 million, but without them, the university likely would have had to pay a lot more damages over the summer. One of the most recent projects had the lagoon area by the Lori Student Center deepened to hold more water in the case of flooding. According to campus landscape architect David Hansen, if the lagoon starts overflowing, floodwater would end up passing through the trendsetter towards the oval. But the recent flooding ended up mostly contained in the lagoon area. Hansen told CSU Source that the lagoon deepening project proved its worth over the summer because both the oval and the transit center were safe. If you want to learn more about flood mitigation at CSU and how flood water is directed through campus, you can find that information on the facilities management website. KCSU programming is supported by Chipper's Axe Throwing with a new axe throwing facility inside of Chipper's Horse Tooth Lanes. You can book an axe throwing experience at chipperslanes.com. Located at Chipper's Horse Tooth Lanes, 217 West, Horse Tooth Road, near the intersection of College Avenue and Horse Tooth Road. Chipper's Lanes, bowling, laser tag, arcade, axe throwing, and sand volleyball. Reserve online at chipperslanes.com.
We're getting close to wrapping up the second week of the semester already. The first week of classes is typically dedicated to the holy syllabus, where you get to learn the ropes about class structure and expectations over and over for every class. Now, some students may find adjusting to the start of the semester a little rough, especially if you were a first year. So what are some helpful things to keep in mind as classes start to move past the syllabus and you have to actually start learning? I sat down with Professor Kit Hughes, who has a lot of experience witnessing students navigate the start of classes every semester. Here, she discusses exactly what she's seen work for her students and what you can do to make sure that you are ready for the semester. I'm Dr. Kit Hughes. I am an associate professor of film and media studies at Colorado State University. My research looks at where our ideas about the economy come from. And I often look at film and television to answer those questions. I also teach a number of classes on campus, both at the graduate level and at the undergraduate level. Uh, some of the classes that I teach are uh, evaluating contemporary television, evaluating contemporary film. I also teach courses on media and the economy and some professionalization courses as well. I teach courses that have a range of difficulty. I teach courses at the undergraduate level. I teach some introductory courses. I teach some senior capstone courses, and I also teach some graduate level courses. One thing to keep in mind when evaluating a course and deciding how to approach it or when to put it in your schedule or that sort of thing is the course number level because my courses get more difficult and more challenging the higher that number is. So a 300 level course, for example, is designed to take advantage of all of the work that students have done in earlier level courses, in 100 level courses, and in 200 level courses. So one of the chief things I would uh, suggest students think about when they're filling out their schedule is taking advantage of that progression. The fact that over the course of their time, you're learning more skills, uh, you're getting uh, more familiar with different kinds of assignments, managing time, all that sort of thing, and allow yourself to progress into those higher level courses. And oftentimes faculty can help. If you're interested in a topic and you just wanna get started, faculty or your advisors can point you in the direction of what might be a good start versus what might be a more developed course that might rely on some earlier knowledge. One of the things that's difficult is sometimes certain topics are understood as inherently difficult or inherently easy. Chemistry, for example. Oftentimes we, we hear that it strikes fear into the hearts of many of us who are not uh, chemists. Or as an alternative, you could think of some of the courses I teach. I teach a lot of courses on film and television. Um, and there we think to ourselves, oh, I watch TV all the time or I watch film all the time. I, I know exactly what I'm doing here. So sometimes our expectations can get the better of us. Just because you've heard org chem is really difficult, or you might think uh, that TV is really easy, doesn't mean that you can't be either successful in org chem or challenged in a television class. Keep in mind that, especially I'll speak to the classes that I teach in media, 
One of the things that excites me as uh, an instructor, as a faculty member, is being able to introduce students to elements of media, of television, of film culture that surround them all the time, but they might not be thinking of in the way that we can deconstruct and really analyze and critically question in the context of a university classroom. My most successful students, and by that, I don't mean my students with the highest grades. I mean my students who committed to the class, got something out of the class, maybe stumbled early on and figured out how to recalibrate by the end. Those students all undertook a couple of strategies. I would say one of the most important isn't attendance. Um, CSU recently uh, put together a committee to analyze the importance of attendance and really just showing up to class will help you so much. It, it keeps you in the mind space of the class. If uh, class gives you anxiety or that sort of thing, just knowing that showing up is step one. You're already doing something great for yourself if you make it to that class. So that's the first thing. The other thing I would say, and this is by far and away one of the most critical things, is going to office hours. Uh, faculty and instructors all have office hours, and it's time that we set aside explicitly to help our students. Um, and that's where we can have conversations about specific success strategies tailored to a given student. We can clarify anything that might be confusing, or we can just talk about your interests and how they relate to the course or that sort of thing. But just having some of that face-to-face -face time and having some of that hands-on attention from one of your faculty members, I think that can really help. If my students knew one thing about me or remembered one thing about me from my introductions or that sort of thing, it would be that I am personally invested in their success. One of the reasons why I became a faculty member, and I think this is true widely of CSU instructors and faculty, is because I wanna work with undergrads. I wanna talk with undergrads. I wanna see what they're interested in. Um, and just knowing that faculty and instructors are sincerely and genuinely interested in your success and your development, both as an intellectual, but also as a human being. I think that's something to keep in mind throughout the entire semester. That was Dr. Kit Hughes, a Colorado State University Associate Professor of Film and Media Studies, sharing her universal tips to navigate the start of the semester. If you want to find even more resources that are available to help you through the semester, you can find a comprehensive list on the TILT website, which is TILT, T-I-L-T, with that, if you like food or you like music, maybe even both, Portia Cook will tell you how to get your fill up next in music events and entertainment news. And I am back with your events news. The season is upon us. And no, I am not referring to pumpkin spice lattes. It is football season and CSU is gearing up for its first game this Saturday. CSU's 2023 football journey kicks off against the Washington Cougars on Saturday, September 2nd. You can secure your tickets, including those for CSU students and faculty by visiting csurams.com sports. 
And for my music and video lovers out there, get ready for a Labor Day weekend full of creative energy. On September 1st, The Lyric will host the premiere of the sixth annual 5314 Music Video Experiment. This unique project challenges musicians and filmmakers to collaborate within a tight time frame of 53 hours and 14 minutes, along with a $1,000 budget to produce a fresh music video. The finished the finished music videos will be presented at the Lyrics Outdoor Screen. This creative event and appreciation and celebration of musicians and filmmakers' talent is made possible through the help of 105.5 The Colorado Sound, Dellenbach Motors, VIA, Bohemian Foundation, The Lyric, and Foco MA. In other events news, experience the captivating world of art at the Beauty of Blackness Fine Art Show, a premier indoor festival dedicated to fine art enthusiasts and collectors. This event will be held at the Foothills Mall from August 31st to September 3rd, showcasing exceptional original artwork by national and international Black African American artists. Those interested in attending the Fine Art Festival can do so Thursday through Saturday from 10 o'clock a.m. to 6 o'clock p.m., Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and a reception on Friday from 6 to 9 p.m. Jumping outside of Fort Collins into our neighboring city, Windsor, Windsor's largest family-friendly event is back this Labor Day weekend. This year's Windsor Harvest Festival theme is Harvesting Community Spirit. The festival will run from Saturday to Monday with everything from live music to a barbecue, outdoor games, movie screenings in the park, and even a fireworks show. A balloon launch is planned for both Saturday and Sunday at 6.30 a.m. at Eastman Park, and a parade will kick off at 9 o'clock a.m. on Monday. Additional information and the complete festival schedule can be found online at windsorharvestfestival.com. Now, if you're willing to take a drive and extend your holiday weekend, the largest summer event in Colorado kicks off this weekend in Southern Colorado. The Colorado State Fair will have everything from carnivals to monster truck shows and demolitions, tractor pulls, live music performers, rodeos, and so much more. The Colorado State Fair runs through Monday with performances from Gabriel Iglesias, Lady A, Lil John, Chingy, Pat Benatar, and Neil Giraldo. You can check out the full fair schedule at coloradostatefair.com. And that is all for your events news. Up next, Hurricane Adalia is ravaging through parts of the country. This and more in national news with Lee and pal. Sweetie, um, I'll call over the waiter. Uh, waiter? Waiter? Oh, 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 sorry, sorry. Yes, how, how can I help you? Um, I'm not sure what we really want to order yet. Do you have any recommendations? Uh, well, what we do have as a special right now is the KCSU app. Ooh, an appetizer. What's in it? It's actually an app for a radio station where you can listen to all of your favorite shows and podcasts and more. Oh, wow. That sounds really good. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to help your hunger or anything, but it is going to hook you up with some cool tunes. So. Ooh, I'll download that app right now. <gasps> Wait a minute. Do I know you? Dad? <gasps> uh, 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 download the KCSU app today. 
Tropical storms were brewing in the Atlantic near the Gulf Coast earlier this week, sending Hurricane Adalia ripping through Florida and Georgia. Adalia, which began as a tropical storm traveling north by western Cuba, reached Florida Wednesday morning as a Category 3 storm before peaking into a Category 4 hurricane. It left Cuba with downed trees, widespread flooding, and no electricity for over half of the citizens who live in the westernmost province before passing through Tuesday, according to the Wall Street Journal. Now, Florida has been left with submerged homes, rivers for streets, and downed power lines before the hurricane swept into Georgia, bringing similar devastations. Nearly half a million customers in both Florida and Georgia lost power as high winds sent shredded metal from broken signs flying and snapping tall trees. At a news conference, Governor Ron DeSantis said that there was no confirmed storm deaths in Florida as of midday Wednesday, but that fatal traffic accidents in two counties may be related. Hidalgo arrived in Florida at Big Bend, which is one of Florida's most rural, lightly populated regions. Kevin Guthrie, director of the Florida Department of Emergency Management, said that search and rescue teams are expecting to need more time to complete their efforts because of the remoteness of the area. The National Weather Service in Florida's capital called Adalia an unprecedented event. Until Wednesday, the Big Bend hadn't had any record of a major hurricane. Florida fears disastrous results as the state is still dealing with the damages brought by Hurricane Ian last year. President Joe Biden offered DeSantis federal support in the wake of Adalia's damages, but the governor indicated as of now, state's issues are being addressed sufficiently. You can read more about Hurricane Adalia and follow real-time updates through the Associated Press. Information for this story comes from the Wall Street Journal and the Associated Press. That'll be all for national news. Coming up, Portia will give you a more local update on the weather as she takes you through the weekend forecast. I am Portia Cook with your Fort Collins weather forecast for Thursday, August 31st. Tonight, you can expect clear skies and a low of 60 degrees. Moving into Friday, you can expect intervals of clouds and sunshine in the morning with more clouds later in the day. A couple of stray showers or thunderstorms are possible with a high of 94 degrees. As for this weekend, Saturday will be generally sunny despite a few afternoon clouds. A stray shower or thunderstorm is possible with a high of 92. And for Sunday, you can expect expect partly cloudy skies, stray showers, and thunderstorms in a high of 89 degrees. As for next week's weather, you can tune into the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Portia Cook with your Fort Collins weather forecast. Information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We would like to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We would also like to thank the rest of our staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We could not do this without you. Finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listeners, so thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under the news or podcast section, or you can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcast by searching KCSU News. And with that, we will see you next time.